It's time for the latest buzz on pets from around the corner, down the block, and across the world with award-winning journalist, author, speaker, educator, and host, Arden Moore. Arden has twice been named by Oprah Winfrey as one of her top three pet hosts. And just this past year, the Cat Writers Association awarded Arden the coveted President's Award, given exclusively to the best of the best. Arden is driven to live her motto, bringing out the best in pets and their people. So snuggle up with your favorite fur baby because it's time for another episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Pause up, pet pals. Welcome to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. You're in for a double treat. That's because our first guest is Dr. Gary Weitzman of the San Diego Humane Society. He's here to talk about innovative ways animal shelters are helping cats, dogs, and other companion animals find forever homes. Then we're speaking with arguably the country's top expert on animal pain management, Dr. Robin Downing. She heads the Downing Center for Animal Pain Management, and she will share ways to deal with acute and chronic pain issues in our fine felines. And he's back, and he's back with great news. And we're talking, of course, about one of the most innovative, creative, compassionate veterinarians on the planet, Dr. Gary Weitzman. He is the president and CEO of San Diego Humane Society. And when he took over, it had humble uh, centers, and now it's growing all over one of the largest counties in the state of California. Dr. Gary, thank you so much for being back on the show. Oh, it's good to be back, Arden. Always good <laughs> to see you or hear you. <laughs> what I like about you is I think about, you know, people who can look to the future. Now, I know you don't have a Ouija board and you, you don't crystal ball anything, but there's no script for the 21st century pets as we move into kind of midway in the 21st century. So I wanted to ask you, as someone that's directing a shelter that's growing, you don't have a play playbook sometimes, do you? No, no. And who would have even thought about how COVID was going to affect animal shelters and veterinary practices? And if you had a playbook, you wouldn't have written that part in. <laughs> I think pets of the 21st century are becoming more and more intertwined in our fabric of our lives. And I remember in my 20s, if my cat passed away or my dog, I was embarrassed to cry or ask for a day off of work because yep. I was grieving the loss of, of Corky or, you know, crackers. And, and now it, mm -hmm. people understand. I'm not trying to be a downer, but I'm just saying, what's happening? I mean, I'm looking for the good. So your shelters basically emptied out. People were bringing them in. And tell us why you think this fear that they'd all be dumped back like used furniture didn't happen. Yeah, I, I think it didn't happen because it was made up from the beginning. I, I think yeah. that people going back to work, well, one, they didn't all go back to work. This was right. the mass resignation in That's the last right. year of people <laughs> that left their jobs because they realized that life is life is more than just going to a nine to five or, or nine to nine to nine job every day. That was one thing. The second thing was 
I think that hopefully, you know, with all the horror that's happening in the world, that we actually think that this bond with animals is really true and real and is what life is all about. And we maybe we learned that during during the COVID lockdowns. Maybe, maybe that helped. And so our animals are more valuable. They're more part of our lives. No one's going to give them up now. No. I think that's really great. You know, I see more and more people shopping for homes, looking for apartments, and either the first or the second thing they're looking out for is, is this going to accommodate my dog, my cat? And even on shows like HGTV, which I'm addicted to, all these shows, I am hearing more and more people say, well, I'm going to travel. I'm going to be moving to Europe, but I need to make sure there's a place for my French bulldog or my big Roddy or my two cats. Yeah. And yeah. tell us about some roles that maybe San Diego Humane Society is playing to help people and pets find housing. Well, you know, like a lot of shelters in the country, we all came along this journey uh, together during the pandemic of realizing that our services should be directed toward the community and helping the community keep their pets, helping the community help us to rehome their pets if they find one, to get a pet back to his or her home if it's in the neighborhood, not to necessarily just use the shelters for that exchange of animals and owner. Uh, You know, if the dog runs away, chances are he ran away from around the corner from you. So if you take him, you know, 10 miles to the nearest animal shelter, his chances of reunion with his family go down precipitously by the time you get him admitted into a shelter. So it makes so much sense to actually have someone just find their owners around the corner. Cats, as you know, cats have an incredible wandering, you know, if they're outdoors, they're going to go far to them. But in reality, it's just a very short distance. Now, it might be like the old family um, affair cartoon, you know, with the tracks. Let's see if any of your listeners remember that one. Whatever the little children were called, I can't even remember, but they would go up the tree and down and over the fence and down the fence and around the corner. So for that cat, that was an entire, you know, two years of wandering. And she only went from your house to the backyard of the next house. But if someone grabs that cat and brings that cat into the shelter, you've now relocated that cat so far away from its owner that the chances of reunion are less than 20%. So that's something that we we've known. And we actually can now say we've got evidence that if we keep those cats outside and we put them back where we found them, or someone finds one and goes and knocks on the neighborhood doors, that cat has a chance of getting. I like that strategy. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think that is great. And what about uh, things like helping the community, um, there is no such thing as a free dog or a free cat oh, and no. you need healthcare and you need to give them good nutrition. So talk mm-hmm. about the uh, pet pantry that you have at the San Diego Humane Society. Yeah, it was part of a program that was called pause that we mer- that uh, we merged into the organization back in 2014 and we serve close to 2 million meals a year. Oh my um, gosh. People pick wow. up food. Um, we used to deliver, we don't deliver anymore, but people can pick it up. Uh, six days a week. Really? Supplies. We don't ask any questions. It doesn't matter where you live. So it's dog, cat food, food or what is yep. it? Dog, cat food, sometimes uh, rodent food, you know, sometimes oh. pig food, whatever we have. But um, we we keep a whole warehouse full of it so that we can distribute it. And we'll also distribute it to, to rescue groups because oh, they, nice. they, they have huge needs as well. So that's one thing, but that's, so that's giving animals food. We realize that one of the biggest things that people need um, is veterinary care and the yes. and access to it is so 
prohibited by one cost and the um, ability to get to a vet hospital. And now, yay, 2021. Now you can't even get. Well, you're in 2022 now. I just wanted to tell you. Oh, you're right. You're right. 2022. (laughs) Yeah. 2022. News alert. News alert. 2022. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. 2022. I know. Yeah. You can't get into a vet clinic, right? I mean, there's such a weight. It's so hard. I know someone who's trying to get a cardiology appointment and she's got an appointment four months from now because that's the earliest she can get in there. So we know people need that. So opening up a hospital for people um, that will actually uh, provide services to underserviced communities, uh, people with financial hardships or other hardships that can't get into a veterinary clinic on their own. We want to make sure that we provide those services and we're going to open up our very first one uh, this summer, 2022. Which year is it? <laughs> 2022. <Summer 22. laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh my Absolutely. gosh. That is a big deal. Is it going to be in San Diego or where? Downtown. It is. And it's okay. going to have a mobile component that will go all over the county, but um, the main hospital will be here in San Diego. Uh, we know eventually we'll open up hospitals hospitals with our other campuses, Oceanside, Vista, that area, and then Escondido and El Cajon and South Bay. But yeah, we want to make sure we have, uh, we, we are able to provide a service that people can get to. Hey, everybody, we're talking with Dr. Gary Weissman. We're going to learn more about some of the things that uh, they're uh, creating and expanding at the San Diego Humane Society. There's sort of a role model for other shelters and maybe a few summer tips for our pets. So everybody, we're going to take this quick break and we'll be right back. You need even more Arden Moore? We're online at fourleggedlife.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Ardenmore Four-Legged Life Show. Boy, that's a mouthful. And you, of those of you that are also checking this out on uh, YouTube, yes, I'm in a backyard office, aptly not a she shed, but called Ard's Den. <laughs> that's my real name, Ard Den, Ard's Den. And if you look carefully, you're going to see two snoozing pets. There is my dog, Kona, sleeping on the futon, and my big ginger boy, Casey, um, sleeping on that table, little desktopper, and uh, this this dog, this cat, I mean, kind of has a connection to San Diego Humane Society because I adopted Casey as a four-month-old kitten, and this is my first orange tabby, ginger cat, red whatever, but I want to let you know, Dr. Gary, I love him so much. He has become the hardest working safety cat in the country. I know. I see his posts. He's, I mean, he's, 
He, we just taught a whole shelter here locally in the Dallas area. And he's hanging out, and I tap the table. He jumps on the table. He sits on cue, touches a paw, lets people check for a femoral artery on his pulse and do one-handed gentle CPR, and he purrs like a Mack truck. So I want to thank you and everybody at San Diego Humane Society for giving me the coolest cat I've ever had in my entire life. Well, you can't go wrong with an orange tabby ever. <laughs> no, <laughs> you really he's like can't. really long. No, but <laughs> yeah. I remember he was in one of those mobile adoptions at a Petco, and I was watching him, and he was just Mr. Industrious and Mr. Showman, and he had a sister with him, a little buff cat, who was very shy, and it wasn't a case where they had to be adopted together. In fact, Casey was like, no, no, just me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But he did, yeah, she did course. get adopted by someone who's probably has a more reserved personality than I do. But I'm just saying, you know, we have our cats and our dogs for a long time. And, and they're our milestone. They're our touchstone. And the summer is coming up and COVID hopefully is waning. Are there some any safety tips or perils to sidestep uh, all around uh as we take our pets out more and more as the weather gets warmer? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing would be very good for, for all of us to, to be cognizant of, and that is that while we had been locked down a bit and while we've been, most of us have been home yeah. uh, uh, more than normal, realize that sometimes uh, there's probably an effect on our dogs and our yeah. cats as well. So bringing them out in big crowds may be new for them. Um, going to dog parks with, with dogs, that can be great or it can be a disaster. So realizing that, you know, for all of us, we've lost a little bit of our social skills and Good sometimes point. our pets have as well. And then cats going out, of course, you know, that has its dark side. Uh, we always recommend cats to stay in, yep. but cats always recommend cats to go out. So <laughs> that's that's always the struggle there. And, you know, well, the, we compromised here. We created not a patio, not a catio because we have dogs and cats, we created a Petio. Oh, that's great. That is great. I think that is absolute perfection. Yeah, Casey approves. the safest way to do it. You know, you touched upon something I wanted to elaborate a little bit more with you on, because Kona is a safety dog and has her CGC, canine good citizen, certified therapy dog, COVID hit, and it's almost like she forgot her social skills with people, with other dogs. I mean, she'd see a dog on a walk and went, Gaga, not me. Like, oh my gosh, there's another dog here. Oh my God, please say hi. Please say hi. Please say hi. And when my sister came to visit and we hadn't seen each other for a few months, Kona made that sound. You know what I'm talking about. Like, oh my God, it's Deb. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, oh my gosh, COVID, you you did a number on my canine. Yeah, I know. So are there any tips you can do, offer to help us Get back into the flow to so they're not stressed out. You know, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, just go with it. Don't let them get hurt. Honestly, yeah, yes. you know, that's it. I mean, just being aware of it and maybe going there a little go. slower till you get into a social environment. I think that's probably good. Uh, the animals that were young during the beginning of COVID and may not have had good training, get your now's the time. Do the training classes. A lot of yeah. them are are in person now, which is great. Yes. Everybody's kind of going back. You know, we we're aware of COVID, but not letting it ruin our lives anymore. Thank um, goodness. Yeah. Go get that training. Um, dogs always need it. And if you have a young dog that never got it, now's the time. Yeah. You're never too old to learn. 
I'm not going to say that quote about old dogs. <laughs> but a good friend of mine, Aaron Fenstermaker, shout out, adopted a senior dog named Snowball, who just at age nine finished Doggy Manners 1, 2, and 3 at our local dog training area. Oh, that's great. That's and nine perfect. years old. What do you think? That's perfect. Oh, yep. my gosh. Yep. Um, what about hiking and trails? Um, lots of parts of the country have uh, venomous snakes. Uh, yep. San Diego, of course. I'm in Texas. Um, yep. I found out that there's no venomous snakes in the Bahamas. Oh, okay. But they there's, have hurricanes. No. <laughs> yeah, they have hurricanes. Everybody's Every place has its little nugget. But yep. is there any tip you can give people when they're hiking with their dogs just to, you know, yeah. minimize the risk of saying hello to a rattler? Yeah, absolutely. If you are hiking on trails that, that in uh, rattlesnake or any snake endemic area, you definitely have to keep your dog on a leash. You, they cannot be running much ahead yeah, of you. you have thank to keep you. Your eyes open at all time, at all times. Absolutely, do that. Absolutely. And there's times of the day to go. Um, I always get mixed up when the best times are, but you know, frankly, that's because there really aren't. You could have a here in San Diego a rattlesnake at almost any time. Oh. So definitely the peak heat, heat times, they're going to want to get some cover so they won't be out there. But just as things are heating up, they've got to heat up too. So that's when you should probably not be walking your dogs. And then a snake-proof fence is a really great idea. Oh, great idea. If you idea. have a, yeah. a house that you know you have rattlesnakes that can get on your property, putting a snake fence in, which is a low, a low fence that just goes on the bottom of your fence, can help a great deal. But it really is just being aware that your dogs should not run free. As soon as dogs hear a rattle, they're going to go right for it. As oh, yeah, especially rattle, terriers. Go the other direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Well, that leads me into uh, one aspect of your expansion, and you're doing a lot more with the wildlife component. Can yeah. you talk about what San Diego Humane Society is doing in that regard? Yeah, we've made wildlife a huge part of our mission. It didn't even exist as part of our mission until 2014. But um, since then, we have two wildlife hospitals, a wildlife rehab facility wow. uh, in a little town up in the mountains called Ramona, which you know. Oh, well. I know Ramona. Yep. And we have <laughs> Not the lady, just the town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's very hot in the summer up there, but it's just absolutely magnificent. And we have our predators up there, including uh, black bears and coyotes and uh, bobcats and, and mountain lions and golden eagles. It's really a remarkable place. But So do they help rehab or what are they doing? Yeah, there? yeah we take care of about thirteen to 14,000 wild animals a year. So how can people help at your shelter or others? What can some people do in a small but mighty way to help wildlife yeah. and animals? Absolutely. These animals are a responsibility. They need us and we made them and we should probably take some responsibility <laughs> for that. So adopt. Um, that's that's the first thing. The second thing is if you have a shelter or a rescue group near you, um, they may need supplies. And often yeah. there'll be Amazon wish lists that go on their website, take a look at that. Or you could volunteer, which we're always looking for volunteers. And they can do anything from veterinary medical assistance to helping in administration to being greeters to help guests find uh, adoptable animals. And most shelters have that across the country. So those are those are great ways to help out. I love it. And people can find you all by going to sdhumane.org, correct? That's right. Thank you so much, Dr. Gary Weitzman, for being on our show. And I will have you back again. So everybody, we're going to take this quick break and we'll be right back. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Oh, come on. We weren't gone that long, were we? This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Welcome back to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life show. Our next guest is Dr. Robin Downing. She is the founder of the Downing Center for Animal Pain Management in Windsor, Colorado. She's also one of the world's leading experts on how to safely treat pain in our pets. So everyone join me in giving pause and applause to the founder of the Downing Center for Animal Pain Management in Windsor, Colorado. And I'm talking, of course, about Dr. Robin Downing. (laughs) Welcome back to the show, Dr. Robin. Thanks so much for having me back, Arden. It's really a pleasure always (laughs) to speak with you. Well, we... uh, uh, a while back, we focused on dogs and how to deal with pain in dogs. This time, we're going to zero in on our feline friends. And um, I have a little background in cat behavior, written some books, uh, but I'm in uh, uh, esteemed company right now with Dr. Robin. But the one thing I always tell people are cats are not little dogs. They're a pretty unique species, right, Dr. Robin? That is so true. When I teach about pain and pain management, I always make certain that I state out loud so everyone can hear it, that cats are not small dogs. A, we can't think we're going to see issues with them the way we see issues in dogs. And B, we can't treat them the way that we treat dogs. So many of the tools we have to treat various conditions in dogs either can't be used in cats because it will murder them or they're ineffective in cats. Yeah. And I know they're both prey and predator. So they're always hunting while we are being wary of not being hunted, even indoor cats. Um, And uh, because they, I call it affectionately, they have five weapons of mass destruction, teeth and claws. Um, They could be a little more challenging to deal with when they're in pain than a dog. That is that's so true. And one of the things that, um, one of the persistent myths um, among cat owners is that at some point, cats will just stop doing cat things. So for instance, um, I hear from my cat owners who have cats that are becoming elderly. Well, you know, she doesn't like to jump up and sit in the window and watch the birds anymore. She must be getting old. Or she doesn't jump up on the bed and sleep with me at night anymore. She must be getting old. Or he used to chase the laser pointer, and now he's just not that interested. He must be getting old. And anytime I hear that, that is a total <laughs> red flag that, yes, in fact, I'm before me is a cat who is suffering silently because you said it. They are predator animals. And they know that if they can't predate, if they can't hunt, 
they might become someone else's lunch. Oh, and yeah. so it is in their best interest, as far as they're concerned, to mask any weakness, to mask any inability to be that predator. And that's where masking pain becomes. They're artists at doing that. And that's not a good thing. You know, I, I have a 17-year-old cat, Mikey, and he, he, he meows like this. I don't know if he secretly wanted to be on stage and doing an operetta. I, I, I don't know. But I pay attention to him, and he just got his senior wellness exam, and he's doing well. But I do think little things to make him be able to get up on the couch easier, on our bed, things like that. Uh, 17 is a good, good years. But he still licks the head of Kona, my dog. He still eats. He still talks to you. He's still, you know, he's very active. So I know cats sometimes live longer than dogs, but because they, as you say, mask their pain, it seems like we as uh, uh, cat parents or cat owners, we need to be more tuned into our kitties, right? What are some signals that are starting onset that maybe our cat may have some chronic pain and, and we'll get into acute pain in a bit. So Excellent question. And this is where veterinarians and cat owners really need to partner. Um, so some of the signals I already mentioned, changes in behaviors. So not going vertical, not getting up on the bed, not running up and down the stairs. But some other very important signals include a change in litter box behavior. Oh, There are, are cats that become chronically painful. They may have pain in their back or their hips. And it's no longer comfortable to climb into the litter pan. So they may urinate or defecate inappropriately. And we, and we as cat oh. owners may misinterpret that as bad behavior. Well, it's unacceptable behavior, but it's not bad behavior. They just physically are, are challenged to get into the litter pan. We may see changes in eating behavior because there may actually be something like oral pain, dental pain oh, from yeah. teeth that are causing a problem. The other, the other clue, though, that you can see across the room is a cat who becomes unkempt. Their, their hair coat oh. becomes unkempt. Cats are very, very fastidious creatures. And with I know. I'm always getting grooming tips from Casey. He's like, exactly. Art, you need to fix your part on your hair. You look awful. No, no good cat would walk out the door looking like you. <laughs> exactly. So with rare exception, and I've owned, I've owned a cat who was a long-haired cat who could not take care of his clothes. And we had to give him a lion cut every so many months, starting when he was five, because he was terrible about taking care of his wardrobe. <laughs> but most cats are yeah. meticulous about okay. their hair coat. And so if we see clumps, if we see particularly over the back end, behind the waist, over the hip bones, the rear legs, the tail, where the, the hair gets clumpy or it gets matted, yeah, this that is, is a huge signal that they're experiencing chronic pain. And that's a real red flag to call the veterinarian and say, I really think my cat needs to be seen. Now, in your previous guest spot, you know, you've been a veterinarian for a long time. And I do want to brag everybody. Uh, she, she did win in 2020. This is a big deal. The, and I'm probably saying his name wrong. Leo K, is it pr pronounced Bustad? Bustad. Bustad, Companion Animal Veterinarian of the Year. That's like winning the Oscar, the Grammy, the Tony, and whatever the EGOT, whatever the words are, you got that. That means uh, you actually have done a lot for a lot of pets, and she's very humble, but 
before we keep going, can you tell us about that? That's a big deal. So Leo Cape Eustat is really considered um, the founder of our focus in veterinary medicine on the human-animal bond. He was nice. a professor at Washington State University College of Veterinary Medicine. And he was really, really focused on articulating and identifying that this, this precious relationship that we have with animals, that is a reciprocal one, I, am, I hasten to add, um, that, that this is actually really a piece that is the foundation, uh, literally the foundation of veterinary medicine, that we are all about uh, facilitating, lengthening, and strengthening this precious human animal bond. Wow. Um, and it, you are correct that the Leo K. Bustad Companion Animal Veterinarian of the Year Award is, is an award that is really considered like the Oscar in veterinary medicine. And yeah. Really, really um, just so uh, humbled and, and just, it is it clearly uh, for me was really the most important formal recognition of the work that I have dedicated my life to, which is all about supporting that precious bond. I'm laughing because you could be thanking the Academy <laughs> for all of this. Oh, that was bad, listeners. Sorry about that. that hey, um, we're talking with Dr. Robin Downing. She heads the Downing Center for Animal Pain Management in Windsor, uh, Colorado. She does a lot for a lot of pets. She has considered the go-to expert on pain management. Um, when we take, after we come back from this break, we're going to plunge more into how we can help our cats. What are some things that affect cats, chronic and acute pain? But let's take this break. So sit and purr. We'll be right back. You need even more Arden Moore? We're online at fourleggedlife.com. Welcome back to uh, Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. We're speaking with Dr. Robin Downing. She is the founder of the Downing Center for Animal Pain Management in Colorado. Uh, just say her name. I mean, it's kind of weird um, to be associated with pain. When you say pain, I'm thinking Dr. Robin Downing, but actually it's a compliment to you, Dr. Robin. And I, and I receive it that way. I receive <laughs> it that way. It's been my pleasure to be able to help changed the landscape of animal pain management during the course of my career. Cats, as we said, are both prey and predator. They're not little dogs. Um, it seems like finally uh, there is a recognition that even cats can get arthritis. And I know they're like little ninjas and they can leap up five to six times their height and do all these amazing things. But can you tell a little bit about some tips uh, to manage arthritic pain in our cats? Absolutely. So it's it's important to understand that across all ages, about 20% of cats actually deal with the chronic wow. pain from osteoarthritis. That's one in five. Now, That's as they amazing. age, I know it's staggering. And as they age, that percentage becomes higher. And it was very interesting that a study was done at Texas A&M University. A couple of friends of mine were the principal investigators, and they did a retrospective review of x-rays of cats who had been brought to the teaching hospital there where they just looked for evidence 
on x-ray of arthritis in various joints. Okay. And what they found was in cats over the age of 10, greater than 90% of those cats had arthritis somewhere in their body. Oh my gosh. And over that t- is 10? Wow. Yes, over 10. 10. And so the thing that's is staggering about that is to understand that even I, because I'm really aggressive about looking for pain in my patients, even I'm not treating 90% of my cats over the age of 10 wow. for arthritis pain. However, it raises our sensitivity to making changes, both environmental and lifestyle changes in our cats to help them, first of all, to prevent them from getting osteoarthritis. So what can we do? Yeah. um, To delay the onset. And then once they have it, help them live with it. So several things. The first and most important is making sure they have a normal body composition, that they're not overweight. Every single ounce that they carry that's extra is like number of pounds for us to carry. It is much better for our cats to be built for speed as opposed to be being built for comfort. So keeping them lead. The second is to understand that there are tools that we can use to help cats be more comfortable. Um, It's also important to understand that some of those tools don't involve giving a pill because we all know that cats (laughs) resent, (laughs) most cats resent taking a medication. Although there are now some really cool strategies. One of my favorites, and I I have no commercial relationship with this company, but I think it's important to mention them. There's a protocol called Churu, C-H-U-R-U, that comes in little tubes, pureed chicken, pureed tuna. And I will tell you that in my practice, when there are no children present, (laughs) I call that crystal meth in a tube because (laughs) cats think it's great. Yeah. Almost any cat in my office will actually eat that in the exam room. And we all know that cats don't like to actually eat when they're away from their house. Right, right. So we do have some strategies for giving <laughs> oral medications. I like but that. We also have things like um, medical massage techniques that I oh. can teach my clients. We also have... Wait, a- wait, whoa, solo down. We, what's a medical massage technique? Oh, so um, there are some very simple massage techniques that are used in human medical massage that have been translated for use in four-legged critters that we can use to help keep muscles limber, to help them stretch, to keep their skin limber. We have to use them judiciously because we don't want to force ourselves on our kitties, but we can really help them with that. And then adapting the environment. So instead of having them go from the floor to the windowsill, Yes. That there's an ottoman there that they can go from the floor to the ottoman to the windowsill so that they're not forced to, to ask the question of themselves, should I dare to jump all the way into the windowsill? Yes. And yes, that darn Robin is taunting me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and so for cat owners not to be afraid, if the veterinarian says, you know, there are some medicines now that we have. We have monoclonal antibodies. We have some nutritional supplements that have been proven in clinical studies to decrease inflammation and decrease pain. We do have pharmaceuticals. My One of the most important medications in my pharmacy is a drug called gabapentin. Oh, you had has, me at G. You had me at G. I love Gabby. Talk about that. 
it has helped so many of my pet patients. And my favorite story to tell my cat owners in the exam room is the story of my own cat, Muffin, who came to me at 18 years of age with both torn ACLs and arthritis in her knees so that her knees were fused. She had arthritis in her lower spine, over her hips, along her spine, along her back. She could barely walk. And Muffin, thanks to, I'm glad you're sitting down, 300 milligrams of gabapentin twice a day. That was the dose we had to very slowly increment up to. That was her sweet spot. It gave her the freedom to wander around my 6,000 square foot hospital. And Arden, when Muffin passed away, she was 24 years old. Pause and applause. So her pain management didn't just add life to her years. It added years to her life. And so this is why cat owners need to not be intimidated when they find out, hey, your cat is painful and there are things we need to do. Let's work together to find the tools that will work best for this cat in this situation. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm impressed. 24. Did you change Muffin's name to Methuselah? Yeah, I felt like I should do that. <laughs> there is something wonderful. Listeners, can you feel this? Here is a veterinarian who has dedicated her life to managing pain in cats, dogs, and I just know you have a lot of two, three, and four-legged allies out there. Um, I mean, when you wake up, what's your, what's your, we got about 40 seconds left. What's a final message you want to give people? And also let's get them to, to the key websites for them. So really my take home message is that all of you who are listening, who have beloved animal family members need to understand how important it is to partner with your veterinarian to make certain that you discover pain when and where it happens and that you partner with your veterinarian to find the right tools for your for your cat, for your dog, and that please do not rely on Dr. Google. (laughs) Thank goodness. Yeah. Give us the two sites. So websites to think about. One is uh, one of my practice websites, downingcenter.com. There are countless articles to help you with uh, any issues you might have with a cat or a dog. But another very important is the IVAPM.org. IVAPM stands for International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management. I'm so glad they went with initials. (laughs) Exactly. The IVAPM.org website does have some pet owner-facing materials, as well as ways to find practitioners who are aligned with the International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Or as the cats would say, thank you uh, for being a guest on our show, Dr. Robin Downing. Hey, pet pals, uh, that's it for our show today. I want to thank our special guest, Dr. Gary Weitzman and Dr. Robin Downing. I also want to thank our wonderful sponsor, Tevra, the makers of great pet products. Hey, I want to thank you all, you pet pals, for tuning in and all the stations airing our show from coast to coast. So until next time, this is Arden Moore saying to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there, pause up! 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. For more information about the host, to listen to past programs, and watch full-length video versions of our guest interviews, our website is fourleggedlife.com. That's fourleggedlife.com. And have a pawsome week. 